This is Tips from the Top Floor, episode 930 for February the 15th, 2023. Tips from the top, from the top floor, tips from the top, all right, from the top floor. Hello and welcome. It's Chris, you're listening to Tips from the Top Floor, the longest running pornography podcast on the planet. Um, glad you're here, uh, glad I'm here, and uh, glad here is a new episode of this little podcast. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five topics today. Let's kick it off with, okay, th there's plenty of photography stuff in there, and this first one is photography related to, even though I titled it Chat GPT Plus is here, which it is, our all, all our, our favorite chat uh, AI robot machine. Um, I mean, they, they've had an interesting thing, and but they, Trust me, it is photography related. Um, they, they reached 100 million monthly active users in January, two months after launch. This is the fastest growing consumer app ever in the history. And now that free service will be, uh, or has already started being complemented with a paid service for $20 a month. That's what your writing assistant will uh, cost you. It's still free, but the paid plus version will be like faster, and that's the main perk. Faster responses. Yeah, the, the, the free version will have to wait until the paid requests are. And then it's already slowing down on the free version. <laughs> but it's not consistent anyway in terms of speed. So, yeah, I'm still on the free version. Um, now, why am I talking about this here in a photography show? Well, there's links to photography in... In so many different ways. Um, for example, you're building a website. You need copy on that website. Guess who will help you write that? Um, or like general marketing assistance. Uh, these systems, and I'm talking plural here because ChatGPT is only the first one. There will be many others and they will be as good and better. So... You, you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, these systems can assist you in creating, I don't know, social media posts, promotional materials, that kind of stuff. Um, use them to write better photo captions. Shoot planning. Yeah, give, give me a list of essential photos to shoot at a wedding. I mean, that's a simple one. And you can find this everywhere. But how about uh, give me some outside-the-box um, suggestions of... I don't know, shooting promotional photos of a ska band, for example. And we are photographers. We're not writers. Most of us go, yeah, writing, not that, not that good. And I'd rather have someone help me with that. So, yeah, this is your helper. Um, here's, here's the biggest one, I think, and that is client communications. The system can generate a quick response to like common client questions and that will free up your time to focus on the on the creative tasks now let's do an example let's do an example and by the way again doesn't have to be chat gpt there's other ads come other ai's coming online pretty soon and uh yeah anyway here here's the real use case that will bring you real benefits in terms of professionalism and, and time savings um Let's say, okay, here's a question that photographers get from clients all the time. How much will it cost? And 
like over and over, you will explain, you have already explained to the client that it's not just the shoot, it's also the post-production. And then some clients might ask for the raw files because they think they can do the editing part themselves. And then you explain to them how the post-production is important and essential to make the photos into the final product and so on. Well, let's get ChatGPD or <laughs> another AI writing assistant on board and feed a prompt to them. Here's my prompt. Uh, here, you're a professional photographer. Write a quick professional email to a client telling them how a photo shoot consists of two parts, the shoot and the post-production, and that the price always depends on the specifics of the situation and the amount of post-production that's required. And here's why I did this. I, I put exactly that one in. Here's what ChatGPT gave me. Subject, details on photo shoot process and pricing. Dear... Insert client name. I hope this email finds you well. I wanted to take a moment to discuss the process of our photo shoot and the pricing structure with you. A photo shoot typically consists of two parts, the shoot and the post-production. During the shoot, we will capture the images and make sure we have everything we need to create the final product. In the post-production phase, we will carefully edit and retouch the images to bring out the their full potential and make sure they meet your expectations. The cost of the photo shoot always depends on the specifics of the situation and the amount of post-production that is required. Factors such as the location, the number of images, and the complexity of the post-production can all affect the final price. I'm happy to provide a, uh, to provide a quote after discussing the details of your specific needs and requirements. If you have any questions or concerns, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I'm here to make sure your photo shoot is a success and I look forward to working with you. Best regards, your name here. All right, I think that's impressive because in the end, that is exactly what I wanted to say and it would have taken me, I don't know, if, if I'm smart, I have that filed away somewhere because it's one of the frequently asked questions. Um, but... If I haven't, then that would have taken me, I don't know. I'm not as good writing English business mails. That would have taken me, I don't know, half an hour maybe. And uh, this one took me <laughs> a minute, maybe two. So now here's the fun part. This is what excites me because I think one of the biggest uses of these writing assistants is already and will be for many to act as a, a compression and an expansion machine. We've just seen the expansion. You give it a short prompt and it will expand that into a full professional email. It expands your prompt into something different. Now, as a client who receives that, that email, I might go the opposite direction. The TLDR principle. I'd like the compressed version. So... Because I don't have time to read all that, so I'll copy that into my GPT writing assistant and ask it, ask it to summarize this for me. And it spits out a bunch of bullets. And yes, I'm fully aware that this needs to be checked. Still, GPT stuff isn't 100% bulletproof. But for these kind of things, hey, the times I tried this, it did a fairly good job in in boiling things down into the, es the essentials for me. So yeah, AI can be really useful, uh, a really useful assistant for such mundane tasks as, as like correspondence with clients, even though like, the clients are the most important in our job, but I'm not as good of a business mail writer. So um, 
that can help me be more professional. And by the way, it does quite a bit more. I mean, simple things. You can have it whip up a quick contract for a photo shoot. And if it's not perfect on the first try, then tell it that you're missing X, Y, and Z and it'll give you these parts as well. Um, or have it write a model release or a shot list for something or, I don't know, let it suggest a schedule for a photo shoot. You name it. There's so many different possibilities here. And that's where I stand with regards to our new AI assistants. I mean, they're, they are assistants. They will take things off our hands that we might not be that good at, such as writing. And uh, what the AI, of course, will not do for a long, long time is take the photos. I mean, I don't think your job is in danger. AI might make things easier on one side, but in the end, you will be looking through the viewfinder. You will be the one who determines what's in the frame and what isn't. And you will be the, <laughs> you will be the one to press the shutter button. All right, um, on to space. Yes, here's one. Juno. The Juno spacecraft. NASA's Juno spacecraft um, is, uh, is a spacecraft that uh, ha had and will have several flybys of Jupiter. And they, had a, they have a photo problem. Unfortunately, you can't just go out there and fix things um do you have to do it remotely so what's happening okay the the juno spacecraft has a camera it's the, the juno cam and uh during its recent jupiter flyby most of the photos that it took were unusable unusable now the the camera it's an rgb camera it was originally put on board to like generate material for public relations and public communication but then of course the scientists found ways to also use it so uh the camera system nasa says it's a it's a visible light color camera designed to capture images of jupiter's cloud tops the problem occurred during the spacecraft's last flyby um the jupiter flyby on the, on january the 22nd And NASA says that they, they see when they boot up the camera system. So I don't know what it exactly... I don't think they put like a Canon, <laughs> a Canon DSLR on there. I think that's a, that's a home-built, homegrown system with a processing backend and so on. And uh, um, so what they, what they found out is that... And, and this thing goes to sleep, of course, to save energy when it's not needed. And then they boot it up. And what they saw is that the... Uh, the whole thing heated up after powering up and it took a while and uh, the high temperature subsided after a while. And it looks like, you know, when I, I, I've seen this, I've, I've, I open my laptop or I boot a laptop after a month or something and then not that that happens too often, but then it has to do some housekeeping and it'll go off and do some scripts in the background and stuff. So the, the CPU usage goes up and it heats up a bit. Um, I've just, just out of my personal experience, it sounds like something along those lines. So um, they had in the, the last one in December, they had the same thing, but the system normalized a bit quicker. Now in January, it didn't normalize quite as fast, but what happened is that um, they only... Got to uh, got four forty four images of good quality 
and usable images out of that flyby. And I think the about 200 or more pictures were not taken. So, hmm. I don't know. They, they, they evaluating the data they have to determine the cause of the problem. And then the next flyby is on March the 1st, and they will hopefully have that fixed by then. Well, remote, remote camera fixing doesn't sound, doesn't sound easy. Anyway, um, I'll keep an eye on that. Next topic, Darktable. Darktable. Do you use Darktable? So Darktable is an open source, um, well, what is it? A raw developer, an asset manager for your photos, very much like Lightroom. It looks similar and offer, offers similar functionality. But again, it's open source. It's multi-platform, runs on Windows, on macOS, and uh, different Linux flavors. And uh, being open source, it's a community-supported piece of software. It's free. And one part of that support that people put into this is that, like, let's say you update or they update the Darktable version, they put new features in and so on, and they have to compile it for the different platforms. It needs to be checked for the different platforms to make sure like things run well and or run at all. And then it needs to be packaged, like put into this installer package so you can download it to your computer and install it. And for the macOS version of Darktable, this has been done by one guy for 10 years. <laughs> one person. 10 years. And this guy um, is going to quit. I don't know why. Maybe it's, it's, it's the bandwidth. It's the health. I don't know. Whatever it is. What this means is that the future of the Darktable macOS version is in jeopardy. If... If they don't find someone to pick up that thing, <laughs> and then, then there will be no future Darktable versions for macOS. As simple as that. No one, no one does the work. Nothing will happen. Now, personally, I don't use Darktable. I know people who do on macOS, and I'm pretty sure they would, they would hate the idea of not receiving updates in the future. So... Um, I I guess this is a call to action if you if you understand anything of what I of what I just said up there and if you use Darktable and if you know your way around software development on macOS then yep this might be your chance to contribute uh to a great community driven software project I will link the relevant Reddit post in the show notes All right Second last topic. Um, <clears throat> this is okay. Th this is something that kind of spiraled a bit out of control. So um, I came across an article in Petapixel, which is linked in the show notes, about uh, an AI image winning a photo contest. And nothing unusual now at, the, at this point in time. We've seen that happen before. Um, the photo is looks like a drone shot from above a beach and you see the sun it's an evening shot and the sun is shining in from the sea warm low sun then there's a there's waves breaking and that the, the the light behind the warm side behind that 
breaking wave is in the shade and it's bluish because it's like the water is translucent and the sun shines through the water and uh and then there's shadows and then there's two dark figures that you see from the top with the surfboard that run into the surf and well that's what they do so the light is it's an amazing shot from from the composition and the light and um it's it lacks a bit of plausibility in terms of the direction of the waves but hey it i looked at it and i went wow this looks cool and um of course the, the comments were full of 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 triggers <laughs> or of triggered people um and one wrote i hate this i don't want to sound like uh, i don't want to sound elitist here but there's a reason people look at a photograph like this if it's real and are in awe of the difficulty and timing required to capture a moment like this photographs are a unique formula of the end result coupled with the knowledge of how the image was taken this image is not for me because as i said it was not a challenge to create all right, so um, I want to say a few things here and, uh, and then take you down that rabbit hole that I went down. So first of all, writing this image, uh, this, there was no challenge to create wrong. If you've uh, worked with prompting of different AI-based image generators, then uh, it takes work. Um, the reason I know is because I've done it and uh, my friend Jeremiah Chechik, who I'm... Uh, on the future of photography with um by the way weekly show about photography three of us so just um yeah you'll get more of me there uh so jeremiah is he's even deeper down that that ai image generation rabbit hole he is a true artist i'm a i would call myself a craftsman when it comes to photography uh, jeremiah is an artist and he is wow he spends days and days on one photo and massages the prompt and changes the different weights of tokens and stuff and it's amazing and the results are amazing really really amazing so the thing is it does take it's, it, it is it is a challenge to create um but of course what that brings up and here's my rabbit hole is what is the value of a photo it's a question that comes up so often what is the value of what determines the value of a photo so i looked into that uh, of course i do have my own answers but um uh i i went down a few routes and i think there's two distinct sides of this coin um when it comes to value and relevance of a photo and the first one is of course uh, in a commercial context we always have to see context here so the first one is in a commercial context and there it comes down to yeah, a bit of a supply and demand uh, calculation. And, um, and of course, attributes of a photo. Like, okay, let's say a photo has historical significance. The level of historical significance does um, determine value, right? Like Napalm Girl, for example, uh, the photo that in the end helped end the vietnam war or a photo of the jfk assassination or tank man on tiananmen square and so on there's plenty of photos with historical significance and of course their their value is higher than a snapshot uh, that you took of a few flowers in your garden second one is how rare is it and rarity doesn't 
matter if there's no demand, of course. So rarity and demand uh, play together. Like, here's an example. I've just recently seen a photo of a, a single atom. Some scientists took a photo of a single atom. And, wow, that must be a rare thing to do. So that, that immediately increased the value that I gave that photo. Um, of course, if you work in a commercial context, customer relevance, right? Contract, commercial work. What's the, the question? What's the purpose of the photo? There's, there's someone who has a need for a photo for, to advertise something, to uh, trigger a buying decision, uh, and so on. So then we talk about a value chain. Like where the client has a purpose, uh, you provide uh, skills and equipment, and that adds value for the client, and that value is the value of the photo. So this is this is a very very business, um, a very businessy look on this. But then of course there's the the second route, and that's the intangible values of a photo, and they come down to things that you and I can really easily relate to, like personal relevance. Is it a vacation shot, a family shot, a wedding shot? Is it art that means something to me? The value is defined by the relationship to the photo and to the content of the photo. I mean, the, the photo itself, the physical object in that case, is very irrelevant. The content is everything. The value is in the content. It's in the moment that you that you um, froze on the paper or on the screen. It's in the event. So, like, let's say a, a blurred, a blurred cell, a blurry cell phone shot of uh, of cutting the cake at a wedding. That can be worth infinitely more than the expensive professional shot that that completely misses this moment. And the value, the value of that photo is one hundred percent subjective. The physical photo doesn't have a real value compared to what's on the photo and what that triggers in us. And you can easily see that if you think of like wedding photos of a stranger's wedding. Someone in a different country has a wedding. Um, those might be worthless for you. Now, I asked that question... <laughs> I asked that question to the happy shooting community here on our German podcast, and it ended up with discussions in forums and on on Slack and so on. Um, but they all pretty much came down to the same few points. Like, it's about who's in the picture, the value is determined by what situation it is, um, what a memory, what's, what the memory is that that evokes, and uh, if it evokes emotion. That's pretty much... It's unanimous, unanimous uh, over everyone. So, AI. Does AI, can AI do that? That's, I think, the main question because it, it, yeah. It's a very good, it's a very good question. I don't have a very good answer to it other than when I saw that picture, I, I didn't immediately identify it as an AI picture and it looked interesting to me and I liked it and I could imagine that hanging on a wall somewhere so yeah well and there's okay what there's there's two more aspects to that um one is I've talked about this here on the show before the locksmith's paradox this is an aspect uh 
that is especially interesting in the context of like commissioned work, of commercial work, because the the sense of value is in these contexts is often completely turned upside down. Like okay, um, the the locks. Let, let me reiterate what the locksmith's paradox is. You are a young locksmith. You've just started your job. You're not really good at opening locks, but. You know, people call you at night because they can't get they lost. The, they left the keys in the car or in the house, and they can't get in. And you come and you drill open the lock. You destroy the lock, but um, they are happy because you help them. It takes you an hour, and they still give you a tip and and give you five stars on on a on a on a platform. And over the years, you become way more skilled at opening locks. You will not need to destroy the locks of the clients you will go there with uh, your tools that you've known for years and you will go click 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 and in five minutes that lock is open and you've 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 done the client a huge favor because they don't have to stand out in the cold for for an hour and uh being fast being good being skilled in what you do um doesn't is not valued because now you see the the tips getting smaller you see the 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 star ratings get lower because well the client doesn't know anything about locksmithing and they don't know anything about lock picking and um the skill that you've built up makes it look so easy that the client is not able to see the value in it so um, the upside down value thinking here is often if it looks complicated and if it if it takes a long time then it must be worth a lot more but you as and in terms of photography if you are really good you will be able with a cheaper camera with less equipment with less preparation you'll be able to get a good result quicker than someone who's new and who takes forever and doesn't even <laughs> doesn't doesn't even know what they're doing and uh if you if you if you got there with a camera that doesn't look as big and professional and you uh, you you don't bring a big i don't know lighting setup because you are really good at using available light then the client will not think that the photos are as good the value of the photos is lower so that's an aspect when it comes to value and and the second and the last aspect here um that i thought about is <clears throat> is the is the the knowledge of this being an ai picture does obviously change its value because people think oh no you just type in a prompt and then you it pops out a perfect picture um we've seen this and we still see it when it comes to exhibitions of prints now in the past, you used to have a negative on film and you you enlarged it onto a photo paper, which was um, silver-based, and then, then the inkjet printers came along. And the inkjet printers, sort of in the minds of the recipient, they devalued pictures because, hey... It's it's you just put a paper in, you press a button, out comes a print. There's no skill in that, and so on. What they don't see is that uh, that the it's an art to do a good inkjet print. There's like highly specialized uh, suppliers who have 
very specialized inks, like 10 gray tone inks that's specifically formulated for a specific paper. And then you end up with a special piece of software that rasters the image. And you need a lot of skill to get this right. And then the resulting prints are as good, if not better, as a silver print. And they will last longer because the the inks used are more stable in under uv light than uh, than silver is and so on so what did the galleries do well they renamed <laughs> inkjet prints inkjet doesn't sound artsy um they found a french term called gicle g i c l e gicle which which translates uh, in french to spray which is what an inkjet printer does it sprays ink onto a paper so it's a uh, gicle prints and uh, f- the question i've seen several times is what's the difference between a gicle and an inkjet print a couple of hundred bucks so value is highly subjective um, i'd like to know what makes a picture valuable for you from your specific context um, could be a commercial context, could be a personal context. Maybe you have a uh, something to add. Go to tfttf.com slash hi, tfttf.com slash hi, and let me know. Okay, last bit here in the show about skies. Skies in pictures. I came across a video, a Vox video, uh, which had a, a great photography-related story that that has everything. It has a, it's about photography. It has a mystery, some detective work, and it's about postcards. So there's this guy, and he collects postcards. Like it's his thing. He goes to garage sales and whatever places where you can get old postcards, and and he collects them and he sorts them and he catalogs them, and then he starts noticing the same clouds in different postcards. And uh, not just a couple, it's like, it's like 50, 80, 90, 100, whatever. Like lots of different postcards from different like businesses and, and, uh, and locations that have things that are touristy that have postcards. And uh, yeah, it's the exact same sky. Sometimes it's mirrored, but it's very obviously the same sky. So the video like goes researching this. They talk to postcard historian and uh, find out why that might be the case. And uh, it's it's a fun story. It's, uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So that is the same sky phenomenon. And I'm glad I learned about it. And that was it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for leaving a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, you can leave feedback for the show at tfttf.com slash hi. tfttf.com slash hi. Let me know if you use AI assistants and what you do with them in your photography. And of course, thanks to all of you who support the show on Patreon. Patreon is a small but very welcome source of income. And uh, you can start supporting me at a dollar per episode. So if I don't make any episodes, you don't pay. And uh, of course, 
You can pay more, but a dollar per episode is like all I'm asking for. Thanks all who already support creators. Find out more at TFTFT. Let me try that one again. Find out more at TFTTF.com slash support. And of course, if you are supporting the show on Patreon, you will be among the first to get to listen to it before everyone else. The public release is always after the Patreon release. Oh, a quick update on the Eastern European electric photo road trip in September of this year. Yes, I renamed it because... That's an important aspect of it. Uh, it's filling up. Over half of the spots are already taken. Uh, we'll set off from the vibrant city of Berlin in Germany and embark on an epic 10-day adventure through some great historic destinations in Eastern Europe, from the charming streets of Prague to the elegant architecture of Vienna, the rich history of Budapest, and the captivating landscapes and history of Transylvania. A trip to remember. Pack your bags. Get ready for a unique 10-day experience filled with great memories where you capture the beauty and rich history and culture of Eastern Europe through your lens. Learn more at discoverthetopfloor.com and uh, if you're in Germany, you'll also find our 2023 film photography and large format photography workshops there here in the Viewfinder Villa right outside the gates of Hanover, Germany. Discoverthetopfloor.com And now go out and take amazing photos. Be nice to each other. And as always, happy shooting. Happy shooting.